0: Hi, podcast listener. Welcome to Truth About Exits, a show dedicated to pulling back the curtain to reveal what it really takes to get deals closed. You will hear directly from founders of companies who have raised capital, sold their companies, and even those who acquire other companies for growth. I'm your host, Corin Woodmass. I'm a dealmaker, advisor, And when I'm not closing deals, I love to talk to others about their deals and what it took to get them closed. And now you can listen into these conversations too. For all the show notes and more resources, go to truthaboutexits.com. And we're recording. So... Today, we have Raymond Kaminsky, a friend of mine who I met in Austin, Texas, who has a very interesting story about multiple companies, uh, both building, being acquired, and then raising capital for a number of very interesting companies. So this is going to be an exciting interview. Raymond, thanks for agreeing to come on the show. Thanks, and I really appreciate you allowing me to go tell a cool story. (laughs) Absolutely. Well, we've got a lot to cover here. I'd like to start with a question I ask a few of our guests, which is if you meet someone at a party
1: or at a dinner like where we met, what do you actually say you do? You know, I'm one of those weird guys. So when I meet people, especially at a dinner party, I try to not talk too much about work. I feel like you get that typical question, what do you do? And so I usually like to open of like, what do you like to do? But some people always drag into that question. And so uh, I think the best answer to that is I just like building fun things. And so...
0: <laughs> well, that's an understatement, my friend. <laughs> 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 okay, let's jump in a little bit. So your background is super, super interesting, including NASA and, and some other things. But would you like to just give the two minutes overview of who you are and how you got to the
1: first company that we'll be talking about in a second here, a Dollar. Oh, for sure. Yeah. So I had a pretty crazy background. I got really lucky to be raised in Chicago from great parents. Uh, my dad was a teacher and my mom was a lunch lady. And I decided to go off and be an engineer. I think you're kind of born with that. My mindset was just always going and tearing stuff down. So I went that route and went into engineering in college. I absolutely loved engineering and I hated school, so I, uh, I started doing some race car stuff along the way and, and having fun with that. Along the way, when I was about to graduate, so I uh, came back to school, University of Illinois, uh, having a great time there learning a lot of new skills. And I met an amazing person that was at NASA and I was blown away by that idea that she was at NASA. And I was, I was always looking up at the stars and I was always really focused in space. And I was just blown away and said, wow, how do, you, how do you ever get to something like that? And she responded with the simplest answer ever, you apply. <laughs> so <laughs> that's great. I love that story. That's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> so she kind of led me down a interesting route to apply for the space shuttle program. And it's a long process to go through and get your clearance and, and validation from the government. But uh, eventually I heard back and graduated. I actually had already taken another job. I was designing buildings, so for a supercomputer laboratory for Argonne National Laboratories, so their power grid layout. And I got a call back to say I was getting a job offer to go work on the space shuttle program. And off I went down to Houston. That's awesome. That's awesome.
0: <laughs> and then I know this is a little bit of a, a longer story, but uh, could you give us the, the short version of how you got, you went from working at NASA in Houston and then ended up in Austin working on a Dollar?
1: Yeah, for sure. So that was a pretty cool route. So I was eight years over at NASA. I started on the shuttle program. And then I moved over to the International Space Station program. I just kept on working up and up and up. And I had met some great people along the way. I think behind every uh, great person is uh, people that push them. And I met some amazing people that really pushed me to that next level. And so instead of just I had moved up as a senior engineer, as a lead engineer for quite a few projects over on the space station program. And all of a sudden I got this opportunity to start going into an executive program and all this other stuff. And I just, I love space and I loved everything that was happening there, but something that was in my back of my mind had been really festering with me. My dad had passed away and just recently up into that point a few years prior, and he had passed away in his final week of retirement. So, the idea of helping people get to retirement was something really, really important to me and very serendipitous occasion. I was just not feeling fulfilled in some regards in Austin or in, uh, sorry, in Houston. And all of a sudden, a colleague of mine had just started a, a startup in town and they hadn't secured their funding yet. Super high risk. The product wasn't out. They had just got their office space. And like an idiot, I decided, yo, that's for me. <laughs> I'm going to leave NASA and go and join a fledging startup. And uh, it was for a few reasons. It was to go and honor my dad. And it was to uh, prove to some people I could go and be more than what I was doing in the past. But also really important is was to get to a city that I just felt really connected to. Yeah, awesome. Well, that's a pretty awesome story.
0: So could you tell us a little bit about Honest Dollar? And then I'd love to talk a little bit about that. But then also the acquisition there by Goldman Sachs, so maybe we could talk just high level on that deal and then
1: get into the next phase. Yeah, so that one was crazy rocket ship. So we came in, and I remember we were the one of the first, I think the first or one of the first companies over. We work Austin. They're still building the space, and some of our employees were working on uh, flipped over buckets until they put up the walls. And when I came down to Austin, they had a very good pitch check. They had a good idea of where they were going really rough, but the overall product wasn't defined yet. And I came down and they offered me to be the head of product, the director of product development and integration. So the team was really small at that point. I think I was employee uh, eight. And it was pretty much all, all management at that point, all uh, executives for sales and for everything else. But there was really there was one front-end uh, person, one person that was building our app, one back-end person, and me and product. And then everybody else, we had our marketing person, which was awesome. and But everybody else was just an executive going off and doing uh, the selling of the company. So we got that product out at South by Southwest in 2015. And we had won an award there. And we were featured in Wall Street Journal and all this crazy stuff. But we didn't even have a product out. It's really amazing. just the vision and the pitch deck was getting all this traction. We finally got the product out and we got a rough MVP out. And the idea and where we were going was resonating a lot with the general public. So at that point, we had already raised our seed round. Our CEO was going out and trying to raise a series A capital and he was having a pretty rough time. And in one of his conversations with somebody from Goldman Sachs that was put in front of them to go and sell him, he did a great job as a salesperson to flip it around and sell them this fledging startup that was coming out. So this is like six months after the company had even started. And now we have an LOI, a letter of intent from Goldman Sachs to acquire us. And that started the whole due diligence process and everything else that we just had to kind of clamp down, not release any new features and just get through acquisition. Wow. And was there any talk internally of running a process and
0: seeing if there were other potential acquirers? Or was this a pretty good fit
1: straight off the bat? I mean, it, like Goldman Sachs is one of the best firms in the world. Even though I'm no longer with them, I, I have a high level of respect for them and what they're capable of doing. So the go and have a validation from somebody like a Goldman is just incredible. So we knew we couldn't get better than that. And so there was no some people are always like, well, it's a grass greener on the other side. And really at that point, if if they're willing to go and bring you in, and they made a lot of uh, great promises that felt really good at the time. And and it got us to uh, sign that paperwork and get acquired in and build the uh, bigger picture that we were trying to do. Wow. So part of that was you became an employee at Goldman Sachs, basically.
0: So you went six months in, taking a super risk to going to a very, as you said, very well established company. Yeah, with, <laughs> and a leader in
1: a leader in their space for sure. Yeah, was, I think I upset a few financial people along the way because here's a space guy that I had no background in finance, and then all of a sudden I'm a, a vice president at a Goldman Sachs and uh, heading up a uh, product development, which was uh, pretty wild but <laughs> super fun. Yeah, that's that's awesome. And you mentioned
0: that it was the research team there that you were talking to some guys over there and just saw opportunities. But at this point, I'd love to talk a little bit about your habit of writing down ideas. So a lot of people write down ideas, but not in a very structured way. I found it super interesting that you said you write down any business idea you have, and then your thought process is to figure out when the right time to launch these ideas are. So could you walk us
1: through That process a little bit. Yeah. Yeah, that would be interesting. Yeah, and I'd love to tell you an interesting personal story that kind of connects those together. So, years ago, I had a friend of mine tell me that everything in business comes from right timing, the perfect timing. And so, Ideas are a dime a dozen, but it comes down to execution. It comes down to timing. So what I love to do is anytime I'm coming up with an idea, I'll write it down in pretty big detail into a journal. And I leave plenty of pad behind the journal because as that idea migrates. And as the year goes on, as I talk to people and I try to to pitch it often um, just to my friends and to new people I run across if I think they're in that industry and I'll get new ideas or I'll get new perspective. And so I'll keep on modifying that idea, modifying that idea. And at some point, every quarter, I force myself to go back through that book and I look at timing and opportunity. And so I look at where the industry is going for whatever that product is or whatever that company idea would be. And I try to plot out where I think that, where that idea fits and where the industry is going. And so you never want to release a product when everybody's already talking about it, because by the time you get it built and together and get it in front of VCs, you're too late. So last year, for example, there was a lot of stuff talking about blockchain and cryptocurrency and everything else. And at that moment, if you were going to go and create a company at that, well, you more than likely failed. And lost a lot of money because by the time you got the company together, everything had fallen apart. So you wanted to really put together the idea a year or two years prior and see the trajectory of where industry is going. And if you timed it right and you were one of those first people out there, you would make a lot of money. So to get into like a more personal story, one of my uh, uh, business partners for another company, he came up with this amazing idea and it was actually the first rideshare company called Zebago. And I highly respect this guy. And I think he's one of the smartest men I've ever met. He was one of the first hires at Blue and uh, Jeff Bezos' company. And Jeff really respects him. And just brilliant, brilliant guy. And he came up with this rideshare company before Uber. And it had all the product features that Uber had. The crazy thing was that Uber just, when they first released, they were a black car company that you had to call somebody and they would text off a driver and say, hey, go pick up Ann and Ann's in this parking lot or in, in front of this bar. Well, he had all these product features like payment gateway and GPS. He had all this cool stuff like built into the app on day one. He went around to all these VCs and had a great conversation and nobody just believed in the idea. And so eventually he looked around and believed the VCs and shut the company down. When Uber went to raise their first round, they had a hard time raising because, again, nobody believed in it. And they used then his company, uh, Zebago, as validation that the industry wasn't right for it. Well, they took a pretty small first round and we saw what happened with Uber. It ended up being a rocket ship. And so that's a great example of amazing idea, bad timing. And so very unlucky uh, situation that happened, but he was on the something. And so I try not to just be on the something, but make sure that the timing is right and release it at the right time.
0: I love that approach of looking at the bigger market and looking at bigger market forces. I think that's amazing. Not enough people really take the time to do that. So how would you recommend someone keep up with an industry? Like where what's the main sources you would go to? obviously you follow the thread but where would you start if you're looking at a completely new industry let's say
1: yeah if it's i mean if it's completely new you're you're gonna have to go and start like just doing raw research and see like if there's nobody out there so if there's if there's no competitors i mean if there's competitors you can just go out into google and set alerts to everything and so for keywords for company alerts for everything else you'll get an email every time something comes out or somebody's writing about it so you don't have to be just tied to a you know, trying to read the Wall Street Journal every day. Being tapped into news is super important. Being tapped into like who's your customer. I think that really comes down to so, like, I have an aerospace company. And so, one of our customers is government. And so, seeing where government spending is heading, if you're a retail product, going and seeing how trends of, of spend are going where they're going is everything leading in that direction sometimes you just have to make educated guesses if you think it's heading there if it's a brand new industry but you know if you have some feelers out there and your spider sense start, starts going off maybe it's the right time to get that business ready to go I love it and so
0: you made the decision to leave Goldman Sachs and you got involved with a company called Hypersciences. so How does the market timing work with hypersciences? And maybe if you could just explain what hypersciences is.
1: Yeah, for sure. Yeah, so I'll take a step back and explain what they are first. So hypersciences, what Mark did was after leaving Blue Origin as the lead engineer. And so he was employee aide from Blue Origin, Jeff's company, uh, Bezos' company. And he went and did Zebago. And then after that, he had his own engineering company, his family is in oil and gas. And so he went out there and started looking at a better way to fly And so for rockets. And so how did he make it cheaper, simpler, safer? And so when he went and told the world that he was going to be launching stuff up, the FAA quickly gets involved and says, no, you're not. <laughs> so, <laughs> so what he did is instead... He had to test out the theories behind what he was building. It was a commercialized technology from the University of Washington. The core idea is how do you accelerate something really, really quick? And so Mach 5 and above. So you're talking about faster than any fighter jet or faster than the SR-71. You're getting to extreme speeds. And so how do you go to Mach 5 to Mach 8? And so the University of Washington had developed this technology called a RAM accelerator. And so it's like a rammer. scram jet that's built in a tube so it's not a gun it's an engine and it moves objects really really quickly and so it's got applications for moving anything and so he looked at it and said okay i'm going to go and use this object to go and use it for aerospace application when they said no he's like well i need to test this somewhere so his family had silver mines in northern idaho And so what he did was he went over there and flipped the system sideways and and fired the system into the mine. And all he was trying to get is aerodynamic data and performance data and everything else. But what he realized is when it hit the wall, it broke about half a ton of material because you're basically shooting a meteor at rock. And what was crazy about it is the breaking was mostly happening from the shock wave that was sitting in front of it. So he called up Shell from their game changers program and they jumped in right away and they funded it Within They flew out, they looked at it, and they funded into their high risk, high reward program. So it started off with aerospace, moved to tunneling, and then Shell wanted to commercialize and find a way to dig for a deep geothermal energy for clean energy and so they had to start modifying it for drilling application so it's a one common engine that's used for drilling tunneling and aerospace so at high level how it works in aerospace is you have these big rockets 300 plus feet tall and most of the rocket is fuel and most of the rocket is the first stage engine of the rocket and, and that goes up and Before, it used to just fall into the ocean and it was destroyed. Elon's done a really good job of recovering it. And so if you ever see these amazing videos of the Falcon, it'll go and fly back like a guided missile back to Earth and land at a site. And they're able to recover that. But why? If you think about like a two-liter bottle of cola or, or a bottle of water the cap is the portion, like the cap of those things is, is the capsule and that's the part that goes to space. So that's the part that goes to upper atmosphere. And so the bottle itself is the fuel and the engine and everything else. And we're having to lift all that fuel with it. So what if you just took that cap and you kind of threw it, lofted it to 50 to 60 kilometers to that separation point when normally that first stage rocket disappears. And if you can do that, You remove a lot of fuel demand, you reduce a lot of complexity, and you reduce or uh, increase the safety because those things blow up often. And most people don't realize it, but 1 in 21 rockets blow up. SpaceX blew up Facebook's (laughs) satellite last year. There was a few billion dollar satellite. So it's really a bad day when that happened. So it was a simpler way to go and do things. And Mark did a really great job proving out the technology and getting it to a certain point. And I joined him. We had met each other at a space conference. I was still working at Goldman and he came to a space conference and we met in a really serendipitous way. And I saw what he was doing and I realized this is a brilliant, brilliant man. I mean, he's got amazing ideas and he will be a one of the future thought leaders for the world, but he had holes. And so everybody has holes in their uh, businesses and their personality. And I knew I could go and provide coverage for what he lacked. And so some of the stuff that he lacked in marketing and brand and helping getting contracts and just kind of firming up a few things and business plans, I knew that's where I fit in. And so I looked at that and I knew I wanted to do a fintech company of my own. And so it was the perfect timing to go and just be very stupid and try to do two startups at once <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah exactly <I> was... <laughs> so this is this is the uh, the next piece of the story you we weren't satisfied with doing something on the the leading edge of um, hypersonic technology <laughs> you also decided to jump back into fintech and launch a company there called Ibble so <laughs> first before we get into Ibble which very excited to see where this goes because you've showed me some early previews on this which is amazing but just before we jump into that so hyper sciences you've you've filled some holes with the CEO and the founder there to make the business operate better why not just stick with that? Why go with a second
1: startup as well? I told you already because I was very stupid. You know, most most start, <laughs> most startups fail. So why not have two that fails? No. um so I was it, it all comes down the timing. And so I had this really great vision. Um, when I was at goldman, we we got really lucky and, I got the work on helping build a lot of their retail brands and a lot of stuff. And I got access to some amazing stuff they were doing. And I didn't think it was the right way. And they wanted to go a route. And I just saw a different picture there. And so I knew I needed just some time to go and look at industry and do my own research separately and really kind of fit. I knew there was something there. And I knew financial services needs to be changed drastically. But I was looking at hypersciences. And when I met Mark, I just loved him as an entrepreneur. And the first part of me was, man, I really want to see this guy succeed. So how can I help him? And then at the second time, I started doing my own research and realized, whoa, there's all this money that's going to be coming in the hypersonic flight for the United States from a government perspective. And so I found research that said that and there was no commercial companies in the United States that's really dealing with that kind of stuff. You had some big defensive contractors that were trying some stuff, but really nobody like from a private standpoint. And then I looked at, okay, well, deep geothermal energy, we have this nuclear power plant below everybody's feet everywhere. And if you can get down deep enough, you can provide clean energy anywhere in the world. And you're either using steam turbines or using solid state devices like thermal photovoltaic, which are like solar cells that are just shifted. So I'm like, wow, this could be one in my head. It could be A capstone of my career, this could be me changing energy, changing spaceflight. I would love my name to be attached to something like that. But additionally, I'm like, the timing is perfect for this. Like we're seeing the Department of Energy release documents that says that we need to move towards clean geothermal energy, but there's not many people doing it. And there's all this money that's going to be available next year for hypersonic research, but there's nobody doing that. And so I knew the timing was perfect for that. And I knew the timing was perfect for the fintech. And so I decided that best thing for me was to sacrifice basically all my free time and try to do two full-time startups. And I know a lot of people will say that, like Elon's gone and said that he works 15, 16 hour days. And I've heard so many people talk about it. When they're out, like, oh, I work these crazy hours. I work 15-hour days. And I I don't think a lot of people do. Doing 15, 16-hour days, I I know Elon does. You're talking about doing two full-time jobs. Like, all you are doing is working, eating, sleeping. And there was stuff that made me get up in the morning and keep on pushing forward. But it was hell to go and do that for a year. But we got to great points for both companies. We had some amazing things happen in the last few weeks. And I think it was well worth it.
0: Awesome. Well, let's talk a little bit about Ibble then.
1: So how would you describe Ibble? So the high level of Ible is that Every other fintech company expects you to go and invest on day one. And I don't think that's the right way. I wouldn't expect you to go fly a plane if you didn't get into a flight simulator. I wouldn't expect you to go and start playing blackjack or anything else at a casino if you didn't know the rules to the game. So why do we expect people to invest with any kind of practical knowledge, practical training? And so I want to take a step back and say, how are we going to go and take non-traders, And bring them into a world where they feel educated and they feel confidence in themselves and they have trust in us. And not be that person like everybody else out there that says sign up today. Go, go, go. Invest now. Go, go, go. And if it takes you a day, a week, a month, or a year to finally invest with real money, we're there. We got your back. So Ible starts with the idea that we're going to passively educate you we put our lens on per day at six different companies and those are focused around new product releases earning reports just important news that's out there and so so you're not lost in all the random stuff that's happening just six that you can focus on per day and really bite your teeth into we simplify what's happening in the company because we realize that all these articles are getting written multiple pages but it's all just they're written because they need to be two pages, three pages, and they don't need to be. Like the reality is, you can get to the subject matter and Twitter speak really simply. Tesla's releasing a Model Y. It's $50,000. It's a mid sized SUV. It does this. Like, why do I need a two page article that's going to talk about the little intricacies about it? So you can do that across anything. So we first handle news, we allow you to interact with the news, upvote, downvote, comment on it. And then what we do is we have a live stream that runs every night and we summarize in this video about those six companies in about four minutes we allow you to interact with it we ask your opinion of what you think is happening and then we ask you to speculate on the performance of the company so by speculating on the performance this allows you to learn in different ways you're learning by reading you're learning by hearing you're learning by seeing you're learning by touching the screen and so it's a simpler way to now start storing all that knowledge and it's very digestible bytes of information. So we call it Ibble bits. But where this leads to is the product release that's coming out this upcoming week is allows you to start simulating trading activity. So the first release was the educate platform, the learn platform, learn about new things. And now the new platform, the one that's coming out, takes it a step further and allows you to build up your own portfolio, try to trade stock, all risk-free, doesn't cost you anything. There's no money involved. It, it's a pure simulation or a virtual trading tool. And so it's a way to build your confidence and trust. It shows your performance over time. And then when you're ready, when you think you're really ready in the future, we'll be there to either push you off to another trading platform or potentially be the own, our own trading platform that allows you to trade on our platform. We're still deciding what the right route there is.
0: Yeah, that's amazing. And I think that's direct marketing or direct response marketing 101 is to start where the client actually is. And you're right, there's so many people that think that trading stocks or understanding the markets is just beyond the realm of human understanding. And you've broken it down into really uh, the evil bits are great. You just get this little hit of news and what's most important, and then you can click through and read more about the story if it's something that's interesting to you. I can't wait to see where you guys end up with this. Or even in a year from now, you just launched at South by in Austin this year. By next year, who knows where you'll be. Yeah. So that's yeah. that's awesome.
1: Yeah, Austin or uh, South by Southwest in Austin was just this amazing year for us. So kind of loop back around to hypersciences. A year ago at South by, hypersciences was there and we were... Just Mark was at the company. I was just leaving Goldman and getting prepared to jump in. And we were out there just trying to build interest of it. There was no other employees at the company. And a year later, we had one of the biggest events at South by, we had an entire park. Uh, where everybody else has a little five-by-five booth inside the convention center. We had a a giant park that we actually brought our aerospace equipment that we launched. We actually launched equipment for NASA in January this year. We were featured in TechCrunch for that. So we had that equipment in the park that people could touch and feel and see that it was real and interact with it. We had VR and AR. We had our tunneling rover, our autonomous tunneling rover that uses AI to map the wall and use acoustic signatures. and then. Uh, About a week after that, we announced that we had closed one of the largest crowd equity financing rounds ever. I think it's like top 15 ever. And we closed 10 million and ended up in TechCrunch again, uh, almost two weeks back to back. And then Ible went on stage and we were a finalist for South by Southwest in the media and content category. We ended up winning a $100,000 grant from Google. They were looking at some of the stuff that we were doing in AI and they were pretty impressed with it. And we signed a cool incubation agreement out during South by we got the product out the last day of South by because that was something that was really important to me to kind of tie it to South by because that's always been an important date to me. Honest Dollar was launched at South by we announced our acquisition at South by the following year. We actually uh, our CEO was really tied in with President Obama. And we were here in town and announcing it with President Obama at a conference. And so then last year going in announcing hypersciences this year, announcing that we're pretty much closing one of the biggest crowd equity finance rounds and then putting IBL out there. So I'm really excited to see where IBL ends up next year. I think we're going to have some pretty pretty important news around South by.
0: Absolutely. It seems like just year jumps can be... Exponentially
1: bigger. Yeah.
0: <laughs> and this one may be acquired again by someone else.
1: <laughs> I, you know, I, so what, I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't be against it. But my goal of this company is really the. I think that was the one thing I would go back and time and change was I wouldn't let. I was happy that we ended up at Goldman, but I really wish we would have had more time because once you get gobbled up into a big company, you really do slow down. And so even though our team went from at acquisition we were around like thirty something, and I think when we left two years after that, we were at like three hundred. It was good, but at the same time, we just, we slowed down so much and all the cool product features just never got built. And I think even to to this day, they didn't get built. And so just going and having the ability to have more time to build what you really, really want to go and do instead of getting uh, pulled into a company. So I hope Ible stays around for, you know, a few years before getting acquired.
0: Awesome. Well, that's a great jump off point, I think, to end this first conversation. If you're open to it, I would love to have you back and uh, talk more maybe in a year and just do a catch up again and see where you're at with both of these. I think this has been a super interesting interview. So I hope people... I've enjoyed listening and getting to know you a little bit. What's the best way to reach you, Raymond, if people wanted
1: to reach out to learn more about either of the projects you're working on? Yeah, for sure. So you can read about Hypersciences or IBL, and we, we're pretty uh, active on both of our Facebook pages. Uh, if you want to reach me, you can reach me directly, Raymond at IBL.io. I'm usually pretty... uh. Uh, accessible to most folks that are out there. And I'd love for people to go and check out the videos that we've been putting out for Hypersciences so you can really get an understanding of what it is. And Ibble's available right now in the Apple App Store, Ibble Finance, and IBBLE. And it'll be available on Android in the next month. Awesome. Cool. And we'll link up to that on the
0: show notes as well at truthaboutexits.com. So thanks so much, Raymond, again, for jumping on the call today. This has been super interesting and I can't wait to see what you do next. Thank you, and I really appreciate your time. This was super fun. Thank you for listening to another episode of Truth About Exits. Now, whenever you're ready, here are three ways I can help you. If your company is doing between 10 to 50 million plus in revenue and you want help to plan your perfect exit to achieve the highest value and best deal terms possible, or if you'd like advice on acquiring other companies to continue to grow your company, we can help. Go to truthaboutexits.com forward slash consult. There you'll see a simple form to tell us a little bit more about you, your company and your goals, and my team and I will take it from there. So go to truthaboutexits.com forward slash consult. The second way I can help is become a guest on our show. If you've had a successful exit, you want to share your story, or if you're actively acquiring other businesses and want to share your criteria with our audience, go to truthaboutexits.com forward slash guest. Let's connect and I'd love to talk to you. The third way I can help you is one of my favorite things in the entire world is sharing the truth about exit stories with other entrepreneurs by speaking at events all over the world. So far, I've had the privilege of speaking at events in the US, Canada, UK, Spain, Germany, Ukraine, Czech Republic, over in Asia, China, Hong Kong, Thailand, and even Australia. If you'd like me to speak at your next event, go to truthaboutexits.com forward slash speaker, and tell me a little bit more about your event, and we'll go from there. Thanks for listening, and I'll see you on the next episode.